Well, hi, everybody. Monday, May 15th, 2023. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. And we're heading down to Baltimore today from where I live in Maine. We're going to be talking to a returning guest, Dr. Juliana Puray Blagoev, and also Jennifer Kraft. Okay, Jennifer is a, uh, well, she was one of uh, uh, Juliana's doctoral students. She has her doctorate now, quite obviously, Dr. Kraft does. She, and she is currently in Baltimore County Public Schools. Okay, and we're going to talk with them both, okay, about stakeholder-driven curriculum audits. Okay, and all of this is kind of an equity question. We'll be the, the, focusing on this. Uh, ensuring that ELA materials provide all students with, quote, windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors. Okay, we'll find out what all that means as we talk to Juliana and Jennifer, the J-ladies, okay, Jen and Juliana. All right, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. That's where everything we do is. We are the American Consortium for Equity and Education, ace-ed.org. Dot org. Go over there and read our magazine, which is called Equity and Access. Good magazine. It's an online journal. And our awards program is also running right now. So please go over there and check that out. It's our Equity Awards. You can nominate yourself, your colleagues, etc. The Early Bird Special is up right now. Please nominate colleagues, friends, companies, whatever you want to do. See all the wonderful categories, etc. Okay, we look forward to having an even greater participation this year than we did last year. Okay, and last year was just fabulous. This year we got so many nominations already coming in. We want you to. It is an independent group of judges, all right, that actually decides the winners. It's really a lot of fun, and a lot of people walked away with a lot of great honors from our Equity Awards program. Again, everything is linked over there at ACE. Dash ed.org and please go over check it all out by the way everything we do over there is free for all educators just so you know that we're not trying to trap you into anything all right let me welcome my guest juliana hi there it's larry hi larry hey how, how are, you? are you larry it's great I'm, to be here again i really appreciate the chance it's a pleasure to have you here, okay? It's a pleasure to have you here all the time, okay? All right? And by the way, I wanted to ask you before I bring Jennifer on, okay? You teach with the online mind, brain, and, te- and teaching, uh, within the mind, brain, and teaching. And that's where uh, sort of all your work down at Johns Hopkins kind of intersects, the mind, the brain, learning sciences, and teaching. And I want you, you know, Thank God somebody's finally using science. So I want to get into that with you a little bit today, okay? Because science does matter, okay? It does. And you, I will say way this way, you were the doctoral advisor of my other guest on the show. She must have done well with you, Dr. Jennifer Kraft. Hi, Jen. It's Larry here. Good morning. Thank you for having me on this morning. Well, you're welcome, Dr. Kraft. So let me ask you this. Was Juliana nice to you when you were going for your doctor? Juliana was amazing, and I am uh, a (laughs) thinker, writer, uh, way of uh, just uh, approaching educational challenges um, through uh, being able to work with her. So I feel extremely fortunate I had the opportunity. And I I know that when she decided to bring you on, because she was my contact with all that she's been on before, she couldn't wait to bring you on, just so you know that. She couldn't wait. Okay. (laughs) So what can I tell All right, you? That's, 
Doctor, Doctor, <laughs> Doctor J, and Doctor J. Speaking of basketball, right. it works out. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it works out pretty well. I got to tell you. And uh, Jen, tell us what you're doing now in Baltimore County Public Schools. What are you uh, doing now? So I am um, the English language director for pre-K through 12, and so wow. that entails. Uh, curriculum selection, implementation, professional development, um, you know, really what happens in the English language arts part of instruction. Cool. And you're fading in and out a little bit. Are you on a speakerphone or anything like that or walking around? Jen? She's trying to figure it out. I can see her. (laughs) If you can get off a speakerphone, Jen, you should be set. Can you see? You just said you could see her. How can you see her? Are you both in the same place? No, we are zooming together without ah. audio, so we can see each other while we talk. <laughs> can you I'm not on it? that Zoom. I'm not on that Zoom. So both of you, I want you to picture that I look just like Brad Pitt while you're talking. <laughs> Got it in our okay. minds. Got it. That that'll that'll make the world a lot easier. And Jen, can you hear me now? Or yeah, I don't know what happened and, like, completely cut out, but uh, so sorry yeah, about like that. But, uh, luckily, uh, yeah. Good. I can hear you perfectly now, all right? Okay, so this, this is terrific, and I'm so uh, pleased to have both of you on here. We're talking about stakeholder-driven curriculum audits. You're the director of curriculum over at, uh, uh, for English over at the Baltimore County, a huge district, by the way. Okay, a terrific district. I know it will. We're talking about curriculum audits, and we're talking about stakeholder-driven curriculum audits. I have so many, so many things to ask you both the way you entitled this, ensuring ELA materials provide all students with, quote, windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors. Okay, so I'm going to break this down. All right, and I'll throw these to uh, I'll throw these to Jen. You can pass them over to Juliana if you want. Okay, Jen, what, when you say stakeholder-driven, who are the stakeholders? Uh, sure. So I'll start and then I will uh, uh, pass it over to Juliana. Um, and so when we think about stakeholders, we want to think about everyone that. She's leaving again. Think- You're breaking up again. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, she's got to hear me now. Yes, go ahead. All right, I'm going to pass that. You think you work it out. Jim, you can work it out. It's no problem. We have to. We'll do the show again, okay? But I'll, I'll, maybe Juliana can answer that, okay, while well, you're trying to figure that out. Juliana, who are the stakeholders? So the stakeholders in a curriculum process in a K-12 setting should include, for sure, experts in the field, but also the community members that are affected by the curriculum. So that means parents, uh, that means students, that means the teachers themselves, administrators, and it should be an effort where people are drawn in to have discussion and conversation, uh, not a situation where there's a, you know, a full top-down kind of effort and not an effort that cuts out any one voice and fully prioritizes it uh, over another. Um, for sure, uh, stakeholders can build a, uh, you know, a sort of sense of internal culture as they review the materials together and there will be differences right across different districts and different areas but the main point about the stakeholder component is just that that's historically what the research has shown makes more uh, sense in creating a curriculum approach that builds community instead of drives it apart 
that that's actually good news because as we all know there's a lot of politics involved in education right now okay and mm-hmm. what you're saying is that the research everybody knows everybody's screaming and yelling at school board meetings okay to boil that down to its nitty-gritty everybody's screaming and yelling at school board meetings and think they know best okay and i have to say you know uh, school board admin school administrators and teachers etc okay and and the elected school board in most places are they're elected okay uh, are responsible for all this and and i'm curious can you actually bring a consensus and try to please everybody and i'll, I'll throw well, that jen can you hear me I, and juliana if jen you can see jen okay just tell me i'll throw it to you juliana pass it to jen if you want can we actually make this happen in this crazy day and age we live in i love the idea it's great it's obvious <laughs> You know, I I actually have a lot of hope for that at the local level. You know, I I think that there's lots of reasons to think that parents value education. And what is, of course, challenging, right, is that we as a pluralistic society have many different types of values. And for the most part, when people are in a room and talking with each other, not in a situation where, uh, like, we've been in the school boardrooms, right, and we've seen the vitriol and we've seen the discomfort. Yeah, terrible. Um, but you can create environments where uh, the stakes are not high in the moment and people have opportunity for real dialogue. Um, I think that that doesn't mean that we're in a, you know, it doesn't mean that we are in the, uh, the golden era of uh, communication that's positive. Uh, there's a lot of big money behind different efforts in oh, yeah. um, in education, and Good so point. yeah, that's a that's a tough combination, right? Big money fighting for uh, charter school dollars to pull public money in, um, and I just got a text from Jen to let you know she's moving to a better location, so we should have her back <laughs> in again soon. Is she leaving Baltimore? Where's she moving to? Where's she moving? Florida? Where's she moving? Canada? Where's she going? I think a I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I know. Okay. I know. She'll tell us when she comes. Jen, can you hear me at all? Uh, not yet. I will let you know when not she's back Not yet. Okay, you'll let me know. Okay, so we're with Juliana right now, and we want to have Jen involved in all this, et cetera. we got plenty of time. When you wrote this in to me, okay, yeah. about what we wanted to talk about, Juliana, Okay, you wrote, I'm going to quote it again, ensuring that ELA materials, that's Jen's bailiwick over at Baltimore County, ensuring that ELA, ELA materials provide all students, and I love that, with windows, quote, windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors. Okay, uh, or you have to translate that for me. What do you mean? So, hear me now. I oh, can. Yes. Whoa, there's Jennifer. Okay. <laughs> let's hope great. this works. Okay, let's hope this works. We love you, Jen. Okay, we want you to be. Yeah, uh, okay, do you want to answer that question, or do you want to pass it over to Juliana, to Jennifer, and I'll ask it again, Juliana. What do you, you want to do? You know, because because Jen's dissertation and her professional work is directly in this, I think it would be great to hear from her on it. Perfect. So let me ask the question again. Okay. Jen, okay, you, and you're yeah. in charge of this in Baltimore County. ELA materials provide, you want to make sure that ELA materials provide all students, again, I love that, with windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors, okay? And I know you're not in home construction. What do you mean by all this? 
Uh, yeah, so this is so important. And so Rudine Sim Bishop in 1990 really um, and spent most of her research career around this idea of windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors relating specifically to books so that uh, as um, our students are reading, are they able to see themselves? Are they also able to see others? And mm -hmm. the sliding glass door opens up this whole new world of possibility. And so you can walk through these different areas so that we really can understand more than just our own human experience. It allows us mm -hmm. to see the lives and experiences as part of a larger human experience. And so those windows let, let us see the reality of others um, and become part of uh, a way of creating connections. So instead of an us versus them, we've now created the conditions where we can really know and honor multiple student identities. Okay, and that's good. How are we doing on that? Okay, and again, it's, this is a big district. How are we doing on that in Baltimore County? And I'm asking that not mm -hmm. only educationally, okay? This is the weird part these days. I'm asking it politically. Okay, because you take that same idea and you go down to Governor DeSantis' state in Florida and they look at this differently than, way, than perhaps how you do and I do. Okay, and, and, and I'm just curious, how's it working in, in, in Baltimore County and is it working well? I'll ask Jen. I like it. By the way, I'm in fully in favor. You can obviously figure that out. But yeah. How's, um, how's it working? So yeah. So, yes, how is it working? Um, and I think that I would say it's a work in progress. And so, really, I'm going to back up a little bit, and this is actually what sparked my dissertation and, and topic. Um, so, in 2020, you know, we kind of had a convergence of, of multiple things happening with the pandemic. We had some, uh, you know, racial um, reckoning. Um, we had some, least. you know, yeah, there, there yeah. definitely was, uh, you know, uh, the killing of George Floyd um, was definitely brought that global reckoning on race and systemic racism. And so we started to really introspect what was happening. And in my district, uh, I was fortunate that we started having a series of conversations about race and racism in Baltimore County Public Schools. Mm -hmm. um, and at one of the forums, I had an opportunity, and I was fairly new to the district at this point, um, oh. to hear from a, a 12th grade Latina student, and what she said chilled me to the bones because what she said was, this is the first time I've seen a character that looks like me in all of my wow. years of schooling. Wow. And that really was the impetus for me, so I immediately went back to my coordinators and said, I don't ever want to hear that again. I, I, mm -hmm. I want us to do a full audit. And so that is really what started our interest because they said, well, when do they have the opportunity to see themselves, their identities? When we think about our globally diverse society and particularly mm -hmm. uh, a very diverse Baltimore County Public School, you know, who is included in the curriculum and who isn't? And here's the tricky part. It's not just who's included, but how are they included? What exactly. stories are we are, are we telling? What are we perpetuating? Are we creating a single narrative? Are we making binary characters? And so that really is what started. And I would say we have done a lot, and we still have a lot to do because it's, it's a constant process of really looking at who our students are because identity is so multifaceted. Um, but what we did is we started an audit, and we started looking and saying, mm. 
first of all, just who's included. And we're not talking just the characters, but who's writing the books, right? Because we want to make sure that we're really looking at authenticity when, when we include books in our curriculum. But then also what tasks are we asking them to do with those books? And then also what kind of social justice orientation? Are we really understanding our larger part in a global society? And so I would say we are on a journey. We're not there, but we've done some significant work, including adding 12 new books. In the last three years, we've added 12 new books to the curriculum to reflect our globally diverse student um, population. Are they textbooks or um, storybooks, so to speak, novels? Novels. So, yes, so they're novels. Okay, so this is, this is good. I'm sure it's. I, I, first of all, I'm very glad for that. Okay, I, I think I think it's extremely important. How how do the teachers react to such a thing? I'm curious about this. Let's go through the stakeholders. How do the teachers react? Uh, sure, such a great question. And so I always say it's a both and. So we need to both change the curriculum, and we need to have. Um, intentional professional development because we don't teach things as they are we teach them as we are and so oh. and until we had an opportunity oh sorry go ahead no go ahead that, that's interesting I like the way you said that yeah go ahead. so until we've really had an opportunity to reflect on our own identities and understand the positionality and the frame of reference that we have we can continue to teach. I can put new books in your hand, but if I haven't fully understood um, the multiple ways of being, then the book could still be taught from a very different perspective. Um, and so part of our work has been around equity um, and, and nice. looking at understanding our student identities um, and, and really valuing them and, you know, hmm. unpacking this idea of normal and, and what is normal, quote, unquote. Right. I, I think it's wonderful that you're doing this, and I think it's great that you're moving forward on it. Okay. Was anybody against this? Okay. Juliana, parental rights. Okay. Big thing. You know this. Okay. And in, in Florida, one person can pull a book from the library. Okay. One person's action. Okay. Because they don't yeah. agree with it. Parental, you know what's going on. Okay. Everybody who's listening knows what's going on. I, I hate it. Okay. Uh What's going on with parental rights? Where does all this come in? And then swing it over to Jennifer, okay? Has anybody brought up anything that, whoa, this is over the line type stuff? Okay, Juliana, talk about parental rights. I'm glad you're bringing that up, and I think it's something that you're seeing a whole lot of. Yeah, (laughs) you're seeing a whole lot of that in, in, uh, in Florida, but it's certainly not only there. Uh, No, it is not. Mm-mm. There's a number of groups uh, that are out there, and I've, I've heard them to describe themselves as uh, grassroots, but I've also seen other um, descriptions calling it astroturf. So the distinction would be whether or not an organization gets its primary funding and uh, legitimacy from uh, grassroots development or whether or not uh, it's getting a significant amount of funding, say from uh, you know one or two very influential funders. Right, and, and be careful uh, with the word grassroots because uh, we spend half our lives killing crabgrass. That's grass too. <laughs> you may continue. That is. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So you get an organization like Parents Defending Education, which 
seems to uh, be more of an astroturf organization from from my perspective because it has you know very specific funding from uh, yeah. folks who have a known political agenda. Um, right. And similarly, Moms for Liberty, um, which yep. is uh, born in Florida. I, I actually just saw an article today in the Tallahassee Democrat um, in which a uh, mom who is also a school board member has a child in an elementary school classroom. The elementary school classroom was uh, shown a G-rated Disney movie. There was permission slips that had previously been signed that G-rated movies were okay. But this particular G-rated movie um, includes a character who is gay. And uh, so the Moms for Liberty member, who is also on the school board, raised a complaint. And now this teacher is facing charges because of showing a G-rated movie. My God. Yeah, so it's, I mean, I think that, you know, this stakeholder question, to me, it reminds me of, you know, conversations that I would have with my my siblings. I was the youngest of four. I had three older brothers, and things weren't always fair from my perspective. So <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to do an I-cut-you-pick yeah. model, right? Yeah. Like, you've got a bunch of stuff here. My brothers could cut the cake, but then I would get to pick the slice, right? Like it's a fair process. Everybody's then incentivized. And in this sort of situation, right, like that makes sense. I cut, you pick means that the stakeholders are in there. And if somebody wants to say, you know, I want the process to be that any parent can reach in and change the whole thing. Well, are you willing to have everybody do that? Is that what you want? Is that how you want the whole thing to go? And in the parental rights space, I think that because there is so much big money behind um, the idea of parental rights, that Mm -hmm. it stops, in my mind, from being about parental rights, and it starts to be a situation where uh, people who may have good intentions come into an organization that has a different kind of motivation, right, than, than maybe that. So I just don't think it's okay that a single parent complete can create a cascade of disruption for a library, a classroom, a school, a district, or maybe even a state. Um, I don't think it's okay that the mass textbooks um, that were banned in the state last summer, that that came down to three people, who, uh, one of whom was from Moms of Liberty and two of whom were from the Hillsdale College. It partly reflects to me like this question of what counts as an important evidence that there's been a harm or a potential harm done. And I don't think that a G-rated movie counts as a harm. No, it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. Okay? And it's, it's, yeah. Everything's going to the extreme in that regard. And But my, my point of all this, and you're absolutely right, the point of all this, um, we may talk about Florida, Texas, if I may, and you know, but mm-hmm. uh, but it, 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 this can spread. Let's put it that way. It is spreading. This can spread. And, 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 and folks like Jennifer, Jen, you know, when you hear all this and you look at all this, okay, uh, what worries you about all this kind of thing? Jen? Uh, so many things. I know. Sorry, yeah. I'm taking a little bit of a thought there because there's, there's so much, right? And so one of the things that I always say is that, you know, do you have the right to, to – um, question somebody's identity or how they identify, you know, and, yeah. and so when we start 
talking about, you know, oh, well, we don't want that in the curriculum. Um, I'll give you an example. So, you know, there were, you know, in all, in 2022, it was an all-time high of book bans, right, that they've ever recorded, right. right, since they started recording them. Um, and 41% of the, um, you know, the 2,500 books um, banned were around the LGBTQ community. That's and then right. 40% of the banned books, uh, featured protagonists are primary, secondary car- characters of color. And so <laughs> you remember we started with windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors, right? So what happens is when we start doing some targeted banning, it decreases that representational balance of characters and cultures. And so then we create these one-sided student reading, and we inflate what's important or what we consider normal or what's acceptable. Um, And so as we think about our growing racial, ethnic, and gender diversity in public schools, we need to be able to read widely and not reductively. And so this really creates this uh, distorted image. It does. Uh, By the way, in all this, I forgot to ask, windows and mirrors I get. uh, And, and Jen, I want to ask you, what what are sliding glass doors? I've lost that metaphor. What is that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so when when Bishop talks about it, she says it refers how readers can walk into a story and become part of the world that's been created by the author so that you actually become fully immersed in a different experience. So instead of just looking at it, you actually get this chance to experience it. What does that mean? Help me out. What does that mean? Take that one step further. Right. And so the idea is instead of just viewing and being like, okay, that's nice, you can actually picture what that means, sitting around the table, you know, with with those characters, uh, understanding like, you know, really understanding that world as opposed to um, sometimes we um, almost um, create these themes where we're like, oh, that's, that's so exotic, right? Like, oh, that's so different. But what we're trying to do is make everybody's lived experiences normal. And so the more that we can have those experiences yeah. and that you can invite them into them, then you can start to see instead of this us versus them dichotomy that, you know, what is the shared human experience that we have. You know, when you do all this, and again, you're the English, you're, you're the ELA, the English curriculum coordinator. And as you talk to your, your colleagues at that level, what are they doing? What do you hear from them? You must talk to them all the time. And all of this, by the way, let me make the point, all of this has to support everything else. Okay? It can't just mm-hmm. be ELA. Okay? It has to be, if I may, science and math and certainly social studies without question. What do, what do you, as, you, as you talk about this and all the things that you build your doctorate on, again, congratulations on that, Dr. Kraft. By the way, how long did it take you to get that at Johns Hopkins? Because had you come to the University of Larry, a much cheaper tuition, I would have given it to you in 10 minutes. How long did it take you? Oh, man, 10 minutes would have been great. Yeah, it would have been great, um, wouldn't it? it? Really, and you would have saved so much on tuition. We're not accredited in yeah, any other country but Chechnya, but still, um, you know, so it's it is, worth doing. It's, yeah. Yeah, Talk so about, it's designed yeah. as, as a three-year program. Um, it did actually take me five years. I actually, remember I said I was new to Baltimore County, so I actually changed districts. And one of the unique features, the Hopkins has a lot of unique features, but one of the unique features is you do an applied um, contextual problem. So when I changed districts, I had to make sure that they had the same contextual problem, and it ended up being 
actually what we're talking about today. And so I go. actually um, uh, I started over. Um, and so it took me a little bit longer. We also kind of had a pandemic in there. But you know what? I made it to the finish line. <laughs> yeah, just a minor pandemic. But you did great, man. You got the right person to help you along with Julianne, I got to tell you. Oh, that I department did. over I there did. at Johns Hopkins is, is just, is just yeah. the best as far as I'm concerned. They're, they're so good at what they do. You know, it's just amazing. So as you, so you, as you got great ideas. You're brought into Baltimore County. Go back. What about your colleagues at, at, at your level of curriculum director? Are we more, do they see what you're doing as a very positive thing? I'm sure they do. Okay. And how are they, how does it react in other areas besides the LA? Yeah, that's a great question. And so we actually have done some of this work together. Um, and Good. so social studies started to audit some of their curriculum. Um, certainly as we start to think about historical representation and whose story is included and whose story isn't included. Yeah. Um, you know, that becomes really important in social studies. So I would say that we're co-collaborators in the work um, and that we continue to learn and draw on it. And, you know, I'm very fortunate because my executive director supports this work. And so, um, you know, I, like you said, all this work can become controversial, um, but I'm in, a, in an area where my boss supports what's happening. I have That's colleagues great. that are, you know, also doing it. And so we actually learn from each other. And so we'll share, like, our rubrics with each other. We'll say, like, well, what, what kind of training are you giving teachers? And so we really have been able to, I think, probably get further because we've been working together. Yeah. And, Jen, you know, uh, curriculum audits, I work with a couple of companies that do curriculum audits, all right? And that's something when I was teaching, I never even heard of it, all right? Things were just handed down to us, et cetera. We kind of just did it. Okay, I was there a long time ago. Um, talk, talk to me about just who's the – is this a popular – the best way to – is this a popular thing right now? Are a lot of districts doing this? What are you hearing? And, and I'll throw Julie yeah. onto that, too, since she's up at JH. Go ahead. But, uh, Jennifer, what are you hearing? Curriculum audits. That's, yeah. that's, that's something new, so, I, I think. I, maybe I'm nuts, but I, to me it strikes me as something fairly new. Yeah. Um, so, actually, what's really interesting is curriculum audits have a really long history, longer than I knew. You know, this is part of my dissertation work is that, you yeah. know, when you get to that chapter three, you say, like, okay, well, what's been done before, Right. Um, and what I really found was that um, curriculum audit 1837, when Horace wow. Mann used basically a, a questionnaire um, to create a report for the Massachusetts State Board of Education. Um, you know, fast forward uh, in 1979, um, uh, so there was a lot in between there, but in Columbus Public Schools, they actually, there was a significant milestone thinking about how we do educational analysis and evaluation. And from there, what I want to talk about is, so what makes curriculum audit um, unique for me and the work that I'm doing is that I'm particularly leaning into the equity piece. And so while some curriculum audits include equity, it's a piece of it. And I would say instead of it being a piece of what I do, it's centered in what I do and looking at nice. um the, what the work that needs to happen. And so I think that's really the difference. And as I started to look at a lot of the curriculum audits, I saw that equity was just kind of like a side note. Um, and I said, nope, it needs to be the whole note. And so that's really how we centered um, our work. Nice. Not that we're not looking at all the other important pieces of curriculum. It's just the part that we are centering in the work. 
Well, that's good to hear. And actually, I said at the beginning, I don't know if you know that you heard me, we're the, we're the American Consortium for Equity and Education. Okay, so we'd, we'd love to have you work with you some more if, you, if you're so interested in this, okay, and get your writings out there, et cetera, et cetera. That's an open invitation. If you want to follow up on that, you let me know, okay, because we'd uh, love to help you. I will. Get, get, <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. You have my email. It's uh, Larry at ed.org. okay, and anybody could write me, but please do, Jen, okay? So my okay. question is then, so – I'm going to throw this to Juliana. Juliana, you were Jennifer's advisor over at John mm-hmm. Hop, Johns Hopkins. Okay, curriculum audits. Okay, I mean, how often, how how often do they actually happen? How maybe you don't know this, but I'm throwing this out to you. How often do they actually happen? How often? And I can hear the teachers groaning in the. Uh, faculty room already all right i can hear that even though it's not actually happening yet all right but how often do they happen and how often do they change with the times so to speak okay you know moving on to an equity question and all that sort of thing juliana what do you know about all this doctor what i'll share with that with you about that is that there isn't necessarily a clear standard for how often an equity, uh, a curriculum audit ought to happen. And even the definition of a curriculum audit, like that space is a little bit complicated. So for myself as a faculty member, for example, I do curriculum audits in a way of my own uh, courses. And I will look through to see the degree to which the course content reflects the most recent research but also looking at mm-hmm. it even at the doctoral level from that equity sort of lens. And the equity, the curriculum audits that we are seeing now, you asked how they're changing over time. Uh, yeah. I think that you have a space where there are definitely uh, states and districts that are trying to do an increasingly uh, stakeholder-oriented approach. And then there are other places that are taking a very different tack and working to ensure that at a state level, the uh, parameters for the curriculum that go forward are determined not uh, so much by the local uh, folks and or the experts in the field, but bringing in other voices uh, that would inform legislation. Like, and it's happening in K-12 and higher ed. Actually, at this moment, um, on the new college campus, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the governor yeah. <laughs> is uh, signing into law the higher ed legislation that will uh, change the way that faculty are allowed to determine what they teach. And that sort of big government approach to making a determination about what adults are allowed to learn is a wow. very different model from a, uh, a stakeholder-based approach. Now, it's different, right? Like, I mean, kindergartners need adults to curate material that goes before them. That makes perfect sense to me that that uh, kind of stakeholder uh, space should be done uh, by the community, and even that uh, government has, you know, an important hand in that process. But what can happen um, is that the government can choose to bring in a very small number of individuals to listen to, 
Uh, yeah. And we're seeing that, you know, with the way that the standards are being developed um, in Florida, um, which is something that's being watched in other states. Um, for the civic standards, for example, the ELA standards, uh, the same kind of math textbook review that we saw last year is coming up in the social studies space. And it, you know, it's important to recognize both that this is political at this moment and that it doesn't it have to be that way, right? People can go to their school boards with reasonable presentations. They can get out and they can vote. Um, you know, there are processes in place for us to uh, ensure that there's room at the table for everyone. And, you know, I, I wouldn't include in that everyone, people who want to deny other people the right to exist, uh, whether that means that you don't have the right to exist in a book that's available in the library. And, you know, I, as a parent of a trans daughter, um, I don't like well, that a book about a trans person is considered, yeah. you know, illegal or, you know, in some way unseemly. It just doesn't strike me as very affirming of no, it is humanity. Not. And by the way, yeah. you don't have to be a parent of a transgender person to feel that way. Okay, it's just mm-hmm. wrong. Okay, it's just yeah, it's yeah. just it just gets yeah. wrong. That's all. That, that's all there is to it, and it's silly, you know. And it, you know, the ostrich, the 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 uh, the lion doesn't care that the ostrich is hiding its head in the sand. Okay, it's still going to hit the. It's still going to eat the ostrich. Okay, the ostrich just won't see it coming. Okay, and that, that's it's not a good way to go through life, if I may. All right, I'm full of yeah, right. cliches today, right. but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just it, it's astounding what's going on out there, and we have to be careful. But the the the, the challenge we have in education is that we are professionals in the field of education. I got two doctors here from Johns Hopkins. Okay, all right, but but the public it has its great voice. Uh, the if I may, the the uh, non-professional, the lay public. Okay, if I may, has has a great voice in education, and uh, that's not really good. Okay, it's good because that's the way we have it set up. Okay, and the public needs to have a voice, but there's a professionals out there. Okay, and we have to look at our kids and understand it, not just from one single point of view, i.e. as a parent of one single child. Okay, you have mm-hmm. to balance it among everybody. Okay, and, and th- th- we've got to be really, really careful on this. And, you know, so where do you say that? And so with all that said, it, it, Jen, where do you see all curriculum audits going? I mean, I, I know how you feel about it. Do you think, think it's all going to work out well? What do you see? Uh, doctor, um, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do think it's it's going to work out, and I think um, uh, Juliana made such a good point when she said that you know what we really want to do is work together, and we don't want to create a polarizing situation, right? Exactly. Um, and so understanding that this work to be done collaboratively, which is why when you asked us about stakeholders, and I think you actually started there, I was really excited because it really is making sure that we do have all the stakeholders. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, so Please. when I started this with the curriculum audit, once we had, when I told you about my uh, 12th grade Latina, um, we started to work with our teens. So we, we started and we, we did a training and then we did a mini audit because we wanted to make sure we had all the right tools, we understood what we were doing, we wanted to kind of, you know, calibrate. 
Um, and then we did part two training. We did a part two equity audit. Um, and then yeah. part three. Within, after finishing that part three, within the next three weeks, and remember I told you I was, at this point I was still very new to my county. I had a team of about yep. 22 people. Um, every single one came by my office at some point and said, this has been the most valuable thing that I have done. Well, they said, they said well, things like, and I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. They said, I can never look at a book the same way again. One of them said to me, I now see things as a problem that I wouldn't have seen before. Another person said, it changed the way that I write curriculum. Another team member said, it has changed the way I deliver professional development. And wow. over and over again, I heard how it changed them. And they didn't need to come to me. I didn't ask them, you know, like, hey, what did you think? They all came because it was that powerful for them. So when I say we had 100% of people that came and told me how it was life-changing, I would say that this is something that's going to stick, right? We have to figure out how to do it. And bigger than local districts, and I think it's important for local districts to do it, um, and I know that we don't have time to get into it today, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Let's talk about the publishing industry. Who's, who's in the publishing industry? Who are they publishing? Who are they not publishing? Who are yeah, they exactly. hiring? Who are they not hiring? Well, well you, you saw, know, you saw what happened. You read what question. happened last week with Scholastic. Okay, where they yeah. were banned, yeah, with a, a, an author who had included, a, a, I can't remember the exact thing, but they, they thought it was, the, the Scholastic thought something they put in there would offend people in Florida because that's something to do with, a, I think, a black person. Okay, and they wanted it removed. I can't remember the exact story, but it was in the New York Times last week, okay, which is where I read it. Okay, and, you know, it was so ridiculous because they're worried about offending uh, well, I don't even get it. It makes me sick. Okay, that they would even contemplate that. Okay, and uh, you know, we we got to we got to go ahead talk about publishing. I mean, it's just wrong. Some of it's just wrong, and there's a lot of great publishers out there. Let me say that who are fighting this. Okay, but we got to manage that. Go ahead, talk about it. Speak. Uh, can I jump in I'll, for one second on that? Thing? Sure, of course, Julia. Yeah. Go. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to think about that from the publisher perspective and also the power that a single buyer can have. Uh, so we were all familiar with the word monopoly. Yesterday I learned yeah. a new word, uh, monopsony, um, which is a market structure where there's, you know, a single buyer who has an enormous amount of power. Uh, and it turns out that Florida is uh, one of the only states, if not the only state, that is, uh, as a state, purchasing the, a, the right to have AP tests for all of its students. And that means that it has an enormous amount of power in the AP class market. And right. so when DeSantis comes and says that he's uncomfortable with a uh, – course on African-American history, that's a financial pressure on the AP curriculum producing community. And that power of a monopsony, when a given government in a given state has that power, it changes the landscape of what the rest of the whole country can access. And that's 
a very different kind of phenomenon than we've seen in the past. The publishing industry has plenty of complications, um, but it is it has not um, historically been um, in a situation where it is at the whim of, um, you know, basically a, a single strategy by a single state. So that is a very new pressure um, in our uh, educational landscape. It is, but, if, but I'll say this to them. If they're not part of the solution, they're part of the problem. I agree. Okay, it's that, it's that simple. Okay, at yep. some point you got to stand up and, and, and say, no, we're not going to make ridiculous changes. Okay, we'll bite the bullet. Okay, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens, in, in my opinion. Okay, now I understand I, I there's concur. economic and financial pressure, but sometimes, as mm-hmm. Spike Lee once said, you just got to do the right thing. Okay, you just <laughs> yes. got to do the right thing. All right, and you, yes. you pay the price if you don't, okay, in, in, mm-hmm. in the long run. Okay, yep. and... Uh, you know, you, you, I, I mean, educators will stand up for it. This, you know, this will have a lingering effect on your reputation as people should learn by now, okay, when you do the wrong thing. Correct. Okay, and it's yeah. like all those people who got, quote, canceled on Twitter and all that sort of thing. A lot of them got canceled because they did the wrong thing. They said the wrong thing. Okay? You don't do that. You just don't do it. You know, and it's just uh, they got to stand up for what's right. Ladies, this has been wonderful. You two are terrific. You did a good job, Juliana, making sure that Jennifer got her doctorate. Good job. <laughs> she She's a wonderful student. And, I, you know, I think that I'll say that as a faculty member, one of the most exciting things about being in the program that uh, that I'm in is that our doc students stay professionals during the entire career of their doctoral program. So Jen was simultaneously holding down um, her professional yeah. job yeah. while yeah. she was going through the program. And that means that the questions that my students bring to me are grounded in their professional practice. So we work really hard to integrate that knowledge together, what we know from research, what we know from practice, and what do you do when they conflict or they're hard to implement across each other. So I'm so grateful for her uh, being in my academic life. Oh, that's so nice to say. And, Jen, you could have come to the University of Larry, the 140-word doctoral thesis, 140-character doctoral thesis on Twitter, but you chose Hopkins for some reason. Okay, so, you know, what can I tell you? But I think that doctorate will work for you. Congratulations. That's wonderful. And it sounds like you got a great job. They're lucky to have you. I I do. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. It is. And please take me up if you want to write some stuff for us and we'll get it in the magazine or up on the website. We'd love to share your thoughts. Please, don't hesitate. All right. I will. I'll reach out. Good. Good enough. We'd love you to reach out. We will We will respond. Thank you. Thank you, the doctors, J&J. We appreciate it. Thank you. Terrific. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. That was from Johns Hopkins, okay, Dr. Juliana Pare Blagoev, okay, and also, actually I pronounced that wrong, Blagoev, okay, and also doctor from Baltimore County Public Schools, Dr. Jennifer Kraft, okay, they're great, okay, good stuff and important stuff and thought-provoking stuff. We'll archive at ace-ed.org. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. I'm Larry Jacobs. See what we do over there. It's all free for educators. 
and join our reward awards pro rewards awards program. We love to have you participate. 